0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Ah, uh, yeah, hello, hello. I have to uh, throw myself on the mercy of, of you all. I, I just, I found as I was pawing through newspapers and, uh, and what do you call that? <laughs> Through Twitter. That, uh, scrolling. That I have, I just don't have the stomach <laughs> to talk about any of it, uh, at the moment. I mean, I really, I, um, I feel like I'm, you know, I went to see that, uh, Jordan Peele's new, movie Us, and I, that's a, 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 you know, it's a horror movie of sorts, and, um, well, it is a horror movie, and I don't usually, that's not my genre. I might be the only person alive who's never seen any, you know, I've never seen a movie that Freddy Krueger is in, or whatever. I've never seen a Halloween movie. I've never seen, I just, don't do it, I inadvertently saw the shining once <laughs> and um i i I do not have the capacity to uh, to enjoy feeling terror <laughs> and i don't it must be something that most people do, but I don't anyway I feel like my now that the um in, news is is sort of like a horror show (laughs) too now and I I just there are days when I can't I'm reminded of that Barbara Bush quote Uh, I just don't want to trouble my beautiful mind I believe she was talking about like these, uh, it was after Hurricane Katrina and it was something she should have uh, bothered her beautiful mind about but I feel that way you know, and speaking of Barbara Bush, so she's got, th- there's a, I mean, posthumously, there's a book out, and it turns out she flat out says she would not be a Republican today. She does not identify in any way with that party. And you know what? It, the people who now represent that party would say, well, hell with you. Who wants you? You're everything we, uh, we're reacting against. Oh, God. So, I, I, I you know, th- having done this, namely babbled in front of a microphone, um, for over 30 years, I recall many times um, saying before the show to my producer, um, I don't have a thing. And I would say that when I had three hours on radio. I would come in empty-headed, I don't have a thing. And often those shows became the better shows, which, which I'm not expecting today. But I, it, it was odd. Being totally unprepared resulted in who knows what. I mean, you just didn't know something. Uh, silence was not an option. So r- everything I've said up till now is me filling air. That's all I'm doing here. Shall I tell you how I planted pansies yesterday and it made me feel better because they're such beautiful flowers and can... Okay, this I've said this before in the past, but explain to me why the word pansy is used, well, it used to be, used for gay men, right? He's a pansy. Uh, But it's used to uh, refer to any weak, right? Is it sort of like a weak? Does it have to be a man? My sense of it is like a weak, effeminate man, maybe, right? Pansy. And the funny thing about that is, of course, that pansies (laughs) are, are like the toughest damn flower I know. They, You can plant them now because if it freezes, they, they don't care, they bounce right back. If a blizzard comes and snows on them and buries them for weeks, when the snow melts, there the pansy is again, intrepid tough as nails, and beautiful. So how does a pansy, I don't know. That's always annoyed me. It's, it's the same thing that, you know, women are supposed to be the weaker vessel. Well, I don't think so. Let's just, can we have any male volunteers to give birth? Just one, just one once. And see how strong a vessel you guys are. There's all of this fake news, right? Uh, that gets is just part and parcel of the culture we live in, of the mythologies that surround us, of the of the very words we are given as tools to communicate with each other. There are all of these biases built in which is why I sort of despair about ever moving beyond um, some of the more enduring ones, such as uh, misogyny, sexism, and racism, and xenophobia. I think it's just built in to the human and we haven't our bodies can't evolve fast enough to keep up with our some of our brains that are that are out in front of our bodies. I don't know what I'm saying. Yes, I do. I'm really um I mean on a personal level I am really struggling with my growing. I think I said this the other day and I don't with my growing revulsion, I don't think that's too strong a word, of my f- so many of my fellow humans. I know there's good in people, <laughs> but it seems often that what is manifest is instead the darker side. Oh, well. So... That's where I am and why, as I leafed through the papers, I, I groaned and I groaned again and then I groaned again and I would see something that looked like it might be something new and I would eagerly pounce on it only to find that it, too, ended in some, you know, man-made horror or problem or misery or something to that effect. So, pfft, Hard. I I know there are people out there that live their lives who do not bother their pretty little heads with any of this. Of course, they are then not being good citizens, (laughs) but they are engaging in very good self-care. They are being extremely selfish to say, I'm only going to focus on my own. But they're not being selfish, right? Listen to I talk to myself, because what can we all do? We all live on a micro level. We don't live on a macro level. So in as much as one would choose to just say, I can't fix all of this crap. But what I can do is be a, a truly good person, as much as I am capable. And as much as I am capable of reaching out and helping those in need in my own little microsphere, that's all I can do. And in fact, if people did that, we'd have a pretty good world. It's just that there's so many humans that wouldn't even consider it. (laughs) What? Help somebody? Actually, speaking of that, Roger had sent me he said that at his workplace that a lot of, I guess, people have in their, on their cubicle walls or whatever, motivational quotes. Um, and he says, given where he works, they're usually like from Vince Lombardi or Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and let me tell you about Vince Lombardi. He was a liberal Democrat. Hello? Yes, he was. I do know that. And he was, um, he hated bigots. He hated bigots. And he was very instrumental in in, uh, getting uh, the first open housing law through the city council of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, granted, it was because he wanted his players to be able to live in in Green Bay with no problems if they happened to be black. Um, but he suffered uh, uh, bigotry by virtue of being a dark-skinned, Italian, Catholic who had um you know, a name that ended in a vowel. It got in his way when he was growing up. And it enraged him. So Roger said that so he works with these people who have Ronald Reagan things. and Not that they didn't say, th- I mean, they both did say things that I can see would be motivational, in fact. So Roger shared what he has on his wall. And <laughs> um, it's the word think, T-H-I-N-K. After the T, every, every letter stands for a, a question that you should ask yourself. T, is it true, H, is it helpful, I, is it inspirational, N, is it necessary, and K, is it kind? Oh boy, I must go over well amidst the Lombardi and uh, and Reagan quotes. And then Roger sent me this because he made the mistake, apparently, of uh, ingesting some of Trump's rally in Michigan yesterday. (laughs) And um, he said, for a Trump supporter, or for Trump, that T-H-I-N-K would stand for T-F-the-truth-H. Does it help? me I does it inspire others to hate my enemies and is it necessary for my benefit and K kindness is for I'm not going to use that word I don't like it pansies I'll I'll replace it with another P word <laughs> um, and then Roger says and here's where yeah remember when presidents didn't sound like gangsters um yeah, I do. And he it seems to me that I did also see a quote, a tweet, a something from him that I thought was particularly repulsive, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I just moved on. Oh no, here it is. Apparently this is from that um Michigan rally. Imagine how small minded and how insecure a person would have to be to need these, all these screaming people in front of them, you know, screaming your name. And imagine how. I'm sorry, I've run out of adjectives and then I just use the same ones over and over again. Imagine a president. Someone who has ascended to a position of extraordinary responsibility and leadership. Imagine him going before a crowd and saying, and here I will quote, he's talking about the people who supposedly are the elite. The people who would never, he always, all biographies of him say the same thing. He always wanted, coming from Queens, to be accepted by the elite who were Manhattan. And they never wanted to be anywhere near him. They found him to be exactly what, in fact, he is. A low life in every, in every way. And so there he is last night in, where was he? Cedar Rapids or something? No, that's missing. Michigan. Cedar, Michigan. Michigan. Something Rapids? Yeah, Grand Rapids. (laughs) I got it. I know it was some Rapids. Grand Rapids. So here's the President of the United States. I have a better education than them. I'm smarter than them. I went to the best schools. They didn't. Much more beautiful house, he says. Much more beautiful apartment. Much more beautiful everything. And I'm president and they're not. I'm sorry, I mean that's third grade playground taunting. I'm not telling anything you don't know. And of course it's untrue as well. Can you imagine being so pathetic that you have to say things like that? And can you imagine how lucky you are that you have gotten yourself somehow, because other people are fools, into a position where you can say these things and be cheered Not ridiculed, cheered by your fans. So sometimes all of this is just too much for any of us. Um, I want to note, I didn't know, that today is apparently Vietnam War Veterans Day. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Veterans Day is not good enough. We have to peel off the Vietnam vets and give them another day. Is that is when did that happen? I mean n- I have it's fine with me. I f- my heart goes out to anyone who served in that. mistaken horror. My heart goes out to them. All those young men and some women who never came home, who died in that mistake. So, as they say, thank you for your service, you should not have been asked. Oh, I have a friend here who's just sending me um something about buttig there I said it I think. Buddig. And I have wanted to talk about him. He's like the bright spot. Oh this figures. And she says for the last two days I've limited my news take my news intake to all things Pete Buddig. I have not felt this good since. <laughs> well, I can't remember when. It's true. He's a real upper. And I do also, that's the one positive thing I do want to talk about. Um, I was heartened to see that he now is, he has moved up in the polls. He's passing people with bigger name recognition. He's. There was a poll taken in Iowa uh yeah, I think came out yesterday that has him in third place behind of course uh the the names that are known Biden and Sanders. And um there's another poll that has him a more national poll that shows him in in fifth place tied with Kamala Harris. And also behind, of course, Biden I believe in that poll too, Sanders and uh, who, probably O'Rourke. I find it interesting that somebody unknown and with an odd name like that can still break through. And I'm also wondering if part of it isn't that We're all sort of sick of, had it up to here, with the ones we do know. I mean, they're all part of the scene that has gotten so ugly. He's not. He is removed from Washington, D.C. And right there, it makes him more palatable it also potentially makes him more electable if you think about it. I heard someone say the other day that you know we might be getting to a point where the only people who will be able to win national elections will be relative unknowns by virtue of the fact that they come essentially without the kind of record that can be picked apart and used against them, right? So this is unfortunate actually because of course somebody who's been around has gotten a lot of experience, one would think would be better suited to become the President of the United States. But I don't think our system allows for experience in that way anymore because a person's experience will be used against them. There are so many reasons why this guy, Buttigieg, should not be where he is already, out there rising in the polls. He is extraordinarily young to run for president. He's 37. He is gay. He is married. He's the mayor of a little city. Now that's, you know, that that doesn't sound like presidential material. And yet, Every time we see him or hear him, we we want him. He looks like, yes. He doesn't sound like the others, like any of the others. There's a calmness about him and a sort of, you know, you can tell a sort of just let's get this done kind of a, I mean, I, he just, here, you know what I saw? There was a tweet by uh, Pittsburgh's own Howard Feynman about him. Feynman is besotted. <laughs> and he said this today. The hashtag Mayor Pete is trending for people who don't want to, try to say, or write, bootage. Uh, Howard Feynman writes, Mayor Pete's rise so far has been remarkable, but not that surprising if you've spent time with him, as I did last fall in D.C. So Feynman has one on one him before all of this started happening, and here's what Feynman says he seems to have thought everything through, is eloquently no-nonsense, determined, but not inherently angry. His youth, IQ, and idealism are a tonic. That's Howard Feynman loving Buttigieg. And... I must say that everything I have read about him as well, I'm inclined to um, agree. Where did I see? i got nothing here, so why am I thinking I've got something here? Um, okay, I do have a little bit. So he gets elected mayor. Of South Bend, Indiana, where Notre Dame is. Um, and that city wa- has been a Midwestern rust belt city. Uh, its biggest um, employer was co- you know, auto uh, manufacturing. In fact, this is how far back it goes. I don't know how old you all are, but. It's really been in decline since the 1960s when Studebaker shut its plant down there. So, I mean, that's how long ago they were making cars in, in South Bend. I, I think he grew up there, his parents both being uh, professors at uh, Notre Dame. And he becomes mayor. I mean, first of all, he, he, he's a whiz kid, uh, just an extraordinary uh, whiz kid. Um, here's the bio. I know his father, who um, was a professor at Notre Dame, uh, is a, uh, f- an immigrant from Malta. Which is where you get a name like Buttigieg, apparently. And so, I mean, Buttigieg also is a first-generation American. And I, I got to tell you, it is often first-generation Americans that are the ones that have the most fire, have uh, that are haven't been beaten down by. By being here too long, haven't become soft, haven't become cynical, haven't, because generationally you see that in this country. I don't know if you see it, I think I see it in my own family. So, Buttigieg has two parents. I don't know about his mom, whether she was an immigrant, but They're professors, he goes to high school, he wins a national essay contest Um, as a high school student, and his essay was about, get this, I do want to see this, his essay was about Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh he writes a high school essay on Bernie Sanders and it wins a national contest. That, apparently, led to an internship with none other than Senator Ted Kennedy. Then, he goes on with his education. He gets degrees from Harvard, Oxford, Oxford, I believe, as a Rhodes Scholar. You ain't a Rhodes Scholar if you ain't one smart cookie, I'll tell you that right now. And after all of that, he went home, back to South Bend, and at the age of 29, runs for and is elected mayor of South Bend, Indiana, becoming the youngest mayor of a, uh, I don't know what they would call him, of a mid-size American city. Now, we had one of those, remember, we had a youngest mayor, Ravenstall, remember him? How old was he? He was over 29. But he was called like the youngest mayor maybe of a major city. I don't know. Would have been better if we had Buttigieg. <laughs> I think he's a little head and shoulders above uh, Ravenstall. So Ravenstall was how old? He was, oh, really? Okay, 26? Dear God in heaven! Gee whiz. Anyway, while he's mayor, he takes a seven-month leave of absence to go fight in Afghanistan because he is also in the Navy Reserves as a lieutenant in the Naval Reserves. So this is a guy who's packed a lot of stuff. In. And what I find fascinating, of course, if he were to get to the point where He's moving even further up in the polls. The, the media, you know what they'd be doing. Oh, what are we going to have? A president with a first husband? And how's that going to work? And Oh, my God, you can just imagine. But you know what? I don't think Americans give a damn. Of course, we women are going to start howling. Oh, I see. So, black men, gay men, probably three-legged men, two-headed men, all get to be president before a woman, right? Yeah. Um, a big fan of his is the guy who, uh, who helped Obama win and that's David Axelrod. He actually, he, uh, he loves him. Um, and Axelrod says that it's, I'll, I'll have a qu- I do have a quote here, saying uh, Buttigieg, for him to get the nomination, it would be a way, way uphill battle. Just to get sober here for a second. And Axelrod says this, one of the political realities is that Buttigieg is a new generation candidate. That's, I guess, a new generation. He's a young guy. And Beto O'Rourke is now in the race. And Beto fills a lot of space. They're fishing in the same pond, says Axelrod. And Beto has a larger fishing pole. Yeah, you know, but I'll tell you, I've already said I'm getting a little queasy about Beto. I don't really want to speak ill of any of these people because I'm supporting whoever wins enthusiastically. But Beto, as I said the other day, really seems to me to be, um, what was that phrase? All hat, no cattle. He's just, what's he done? I mean, he's been a member of Congress. Um, And my understanding is, is he's done very little in Congress. He's just a guy who I think himself said, I was born to do this meaning be president so he's just checking things off on his way Um, I, I don't and what's he done he didn't win against Ted Cruz so I have to tell you Buttigieg is my guy increasingly I talk to people who I haven't talked to about this and they say the same thing Probably the kiss of death for us to be uh, supporting him, and uh Mary writes uh his husband is a gem, and if you're not following him on Twitter, you should be okay well i I will apparently um yeah i've I've heard that too that people are just loving the husband. How? It'd be something. Man, would that drive the evangelical stark raving nuts again? So at this point, that's my guy. And I'm sorry, uh, you know, that I'm not saying Cam Camilla or Elizabeth or Corey, but uh Buttigieg does does tick off um he ain't a white heterosexual male he's a white gay male and that is also a marginalized in part group certainly in our politics um oh thank you barbara tells me that yes his father is an immigrant uh from malta his mother has been a uh uh, a Hoosier an indiana uh resident for multiple multiple generations so she's she's an american uh oh, somebody's sending me pictures of pansies thank you they're the best so that's where i am with uh you know with what's happening uh, at this point um I'll tell you. I think Bernie and uh, Biden are not right. Uh, Biden, because of what I said earlier, speaking of Buttigieg, nobody's got more political baggage than Joe Biden. And in this time where we have moved so far, and I'm sure he has too, But there's all of that stuff. There's the fact of the Anita Hill hearings. There are other things that now seem so unpalatable, even though, you know, that's just the way it was then. But I just feel like he's got so much baggage. And he's an old white man. They're both old white men. And I I do think it is time for the old white men to embrace a kind of emeritus status, to be there, to mentor, but to get out of the way. There are others holding up the same values and the only reason that uh, these two old white men are ahead in the polls is something as simple as everybody knows who they are. It's as simple as name recognition. And maybe Buttigieg's weird name actually helps them with recognition. Even if they people can't say it or pronounce it, They can uh, actually uh, just say that guy, that guy with the weird name, or Mayor Pete. Okay, so I just want to say that um, I'm loving them. Why not Tulsi Gabbard? Are you freaking kidding me? I don't know much about her, but she strikes me as a serious lunatic. I mean, I think I don't even trust that woman. I wish I knew more about her. <laughs> I have such a strong reaction to her. For one thing, Tulsi, uh, she's a representative from Hawaii, for those of you who uh, don't know. And, uh, oh, I didn't know this. She's a Hindu. Um, and a veteran. But she particular. Lee seems to have a thing for like Syrian president Assad. And um oh here it is and Wikipedia even says her opposition to removing Syrian president uh, Assad from power uh And she also her voting and lobbying against LGBT rights prior to two thousand five. Okay, I, I just everything I have bumped into in regard to Tulsi Gabbard, I have not uh she doesn't in any way uh interest me. That's all I wanna say. Now granted I could learn a little bit more, but Hey, if any of you are planning a trip to Brunei, I would, uh, I would not go. Um, I, I just saw this headline. Uh, by the way, do you know where Brunei is? I did not. I've heard of the Sultan of Brunei because for some reason, you know, he's a Sultan and he's got tons of money. And I believe it's he or his family that bought the Beverly Hilton uh, Hotel, Beverly Hills Hotel. Um, And that became known because he said he was going to institute um, Sharia law that would have the death penalty by stoning for gay sex. And um, I think there was like a boycott of the hotel, if I'm remembering that right. Anyway, he calmed down a little bit and didn't, and now the story is that he has quietly instituted this beginning April 3rd. Statutes allowing stoning and amputation of hands and feet will go into effect. (laughs) So Brunei, it turns out, is another oil-rich. Con- why do the why do these sultanates all sit atop? Because um, this is not in the Middle East. He's not there with all the other rich, um, rich Muslims. He's he's in Borneo. I think. I don't have good. I my my, my um. It's a sultanate on the island of Borneo right I mean Borneo that's way way out right that's not Middle East and um, he rules over all less than half a million people okay he's sort of like the ruler of uh, Pittsburgh but he sits on extraordinary wealth and guess what he lives in a house I guess they call it a palace, with 1,788 rooms. Uh, His brother uh, is a bit of a problem. Uh, He uh, has a reputation for extravagance and uh, mistresses and uh, erotic statues. Well, maybe he'll be stoned. All right. Anyway, just saying, stay away from Brunei. So if we have uh, Pete as our president, he couldn't go with his husband to Brunei without uh, fear of, uh, of being uh, arrested and stoned to death because these laws do apply to uh, foreigners as well who are in Brunei. Okay, getting, uh, not that I wasn't serious, but getting, uh, changing subjects, I do want to say that now that we know that the Mueller report is over 300 pages, um, and that's just the text, it's not the appendices, and, and which are always of very great interest in reports like these, contain tons of information. Um, the idea that we're supposed to uh, be comfortable with a, f- a four-page summary written by a hastily begotten attorney general who was only elevated to the position because he wrote an unsolicited 19-page memo saying that he did not think a president could collude. And then, lo and behold, he says he didn't. There is no doubt that uh, we need to see the whole damn report. And what the Republicans did to Adam Schiff on the House Intelligence Committee yesterday, calling for him to resign his position... <laughs> um They didn't call on Devin Nunez when he was the head of the committee to resign when Devin Nunez, it seems to me, should end up in jail at some point. And the president has uh, said that uh, he should resign from um, Congress and calls him pencil neck. I mean, it was in that thing last night, too. I mean... School, boy, elementary school taunts. Remember when we had presidents, and I'll say the two Bushes don't apply, but I'll give it to a Barack Obama and a few others, who were capable of eloquence, of certainly thoughtful speech, and would not denigrate the office they held? Which Donald Trump does, of course, every day, multiple times a day. By the way, back to Buttigieg. He has said, I remember, that, um, you know, he lives in the Midwest in a red state. And he knows Trump voters. And he said they voted for him knowing full well he was the loathsome jerk he is. And Buttigieg says, what I. Used to say, they voted for him because they want to blow the thing up, tear the house down. They were, fi- they just, they thought this is the guy who's just gonna upend the whole thing. And obviously, I find that to me the most extraordinarily irresponsible and reckless vote a person could do. But Buttigieg seems to sort of understand it, and he says. The way you get these people back is you talk to them about, you know, the things that, here's what we can do for you, help you, economics, health insurance, stuff like that. The fact that he knows how to navigate in um, a red state in the Middle West also brings to mind what I I know think as well, that we would be best served by a nominee who is not from either coast. Again, um, in that regard, he fits the bill there. It's not a biggie, but it's it's something I think that also uh, lends to his allure not a federal office holder, not a member of Congress, but in fact an executive of a city with a long enough tenure to see that he has in fact done very well. And the people of that city reelect him over and over again. Somebody just sent me something from the, (laughs) yeah, well, what else is new? Okay, so here, um, somebody's writing uh, that some of what he said is so cruel. I'll read it, I don't know. During a rambling and lie-filled rally Thursday night in Grand Rapids, Michigan, President Trump mocked asylum seekers. Mocked asylum seekers fleeing violence and persecution in their home countries, suggesting they are not actually afraid for their lives. You know, I just told you about the story the other day of that little boy who won the chess championship who was living in a homeless shelter, who came from, he's eight years old, was brought to this country by his parents from Nigeria, and they are asylum seekers. They are here awaiting their hearings, and they are uh, running from Boko Haram. And here's the president speaking last night in front of his mob. You have people coming up. You know, they're all met by lawyers. And they come out. They're all met by the lawyers. And they say, say the following phrase. I am very afraid for my life. I am afraid for my life. And then I look at the guy. He looks like he just got out of the ring. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. He's afraid for his life? It's a big, fat con job, folks. Oh, well, what's left to be said? Nothing I can't think of a damn thing, yeah, I mean it, you know that actually makes me sick to my stomach. It does uh, and i think I think that does it for my. Oh, this was something sort of wonderful that I saw. Um, the Philadelphia Orchestra uh, did a concert and uh, called Healing Tones, and it was a new composition that was commissioned by the orchestra, and it opens with the sound of the ram's horn, the, what Jews call the shofar, uh, which is a traditional Jewish musical instrument that is used in our worship uh services, especially on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. And um the Philadelphia Orchestra, when it premiered the work, asked if they could have the shofar from the Tree of Life synagogue here. And not only that, but when the shofar sounded, the Tree of Life shofar, it was, and it's hard, guys, to get a good note out of there. I couldn't in a million years. At the premiere of this uh, commissioned orchestral piece in Philadelphia, the shofar was played by pittsburgh audrey glickman who witnessed and survived the massacre at tree of life that's really powerful stuff it sends chills So, okay, there's that. I don't know that I have anything else. As I told you, I didn't have anything coming in, and I still don't have anything. Nope. Um, oh, I can tell you, I got. you got two more days, because this ends tomorrow, uh, that m- restaurant thing where you can get a... F- a multi-course meal at 30 different Pittsburgh re- restaurants uh, for between $29 and $39. And we're talking about, and each restaurant, of course, is doing this in different ways. But, um, I mean, there's some seriously well-known restaurants here, including the Lamont and the Carlton and the Twisted Frenchman in Majorca and Paris 66. And lots of others, and so I'm. This is the last time, I'm telling you that if you just on your device go to taste30pgh Pittsburgh taste30 30, numerical 30pgh 30, That'll give you everything you need to know and the list of all the restaurants and all that stuff. Okay? Now, I am. N- we're, we really have, I think, uh, about four minutes left in the show. But guess what? I got nothing left to say. Simple as that. And since it ain't radio, <laughs> I can. Uh, I can call it quits. So I think I'm going to. I really am. Okay, so uh, thanks so much uh, if you've been there. And uh, I hope you all have a uh, enjoyable weekend. And I will be back on, on Monday. As Doug Hurst used to say, the good Lord willing and the creeks don't rise. And I think that caveat is well put. See ya. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10am to 11am and archived at pghcitypaper.com The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.